It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman with my friend, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. Hi, you, Brian. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm actually, uh, like everybody else, uh, fighting a bit of a chest cold that's been going on around for a couple weeks now. Mine seems to be uh, subsiding a bit, but I was fighting it for about three weeks. Yeah, and I'm getting all kinds of suggestions for remedies uh, from everything over the counter to herbal stuff. I started taking oil of oregano last night. Uh, well, you're a nice Jewish boy. What about chicken soup? Well, I actually did have some soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, come Nothing, on. But you know what? It's not working. So I'm actually going to do something very conventional. I'm going to see my own physician next week. Of course, I tried to get in this week, but I uh, couldn't get in this week. Now, so. do you have, and by the way, thanks for joining us, of course, here on the website. Subscribe on iTunes, write that back, that nice review, five stars, the whole thing. Uh, did you grow up in the Fishbine household with mom? Uh, did your mom have a patented chicken soup recipe for, oh, the, yes. for this type of ailment? Yes. yes. Matzo ball soup was oh. one of the biggest favorites in our house. And every holiday, especially Passover, Thanksgiving, that sort of thing. But Passover would be matzo ball soup. But chicken soup, and you know, we were also Campbell's uh, Campbell's soup family too. We we opened the can of soup. Now let me ask you something. As a doctor, and we'll get to our guest in a moment. We have a lovely guest with us, and Randy Wang. He just made a sound. It would sounded maybe like a seizure, but it was just a reaction to the soup. Matzo ball soup is my all time favorite right. childhood memory it, of amazing food eating with my grandma. Oh, uh, Doctor Stu. Yes, you're not contagious, are you? No, it's not probably contagious because I think it's bacterial. And, I, and things don't you don't catch things like that. It's not like viral, and and if I am, it's too late for you anyway because I was sick last week and you right. haven't, you haven't caught it yet either. So. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Do you think uh, because you are the picture of health, and obviously you don't want to compromise which everything you've got going. I'm glad you you recognize that I am the picture of health because I'm the picture. Well, looking I, at you is like looking at a mirror. Well, yeah. Except, except I'm way 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 bigger than. See, Randy. Randy's afraid if he gets sick, he might have to go wait in line over at Kaiser again. Yeah, wait and nine that, hours. That would be a nightmare. For a $170 topical cream. Right now, Brian and I are in the same position where if either of us got up to stand up, our shirts wouldn't cover our bellies. Yeah, this shirt was a mistake. But anyway, Dr. <laughs> Stu, I had a question about the chicken soup, and then we'll get to our lovely guest. I have this great image in my head right now. I'm going I'm yeah. to... Yeah, well, fight it. Fight it. I'm going to fight it, fight chew it. on it for a while, Yeah, actually. fight it. Because I could show you, but then once you see it... You I've seen it. I've, oh, I've, actually, I've actually seen see, it. See, and then, you know, you can never unsee it. No. You know, once it's, it's seared on your brain, and you can never unsee it. Yes. One time on a radio show, Brian and I actually had a girl on our show... Try to see if she could tell our tummies apart. That was fun. She was. We put a bag over her head, like Murray Langston, the unknown comic, with the pla the uh, paper bag over her head, and she touched bellies to see if she could tell who was who. And I believe she confused, she got yours confused with Tim Conway Jr., which was a compliment for me because he is the he is a perfect physical specimen. How could guy. that possibly happen? I was thinner. Oh, let me ask you quickly about the chicken soup. Okay. So people this time of year, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because you're a doctor and a lot of people are sick and I'm just getting over it. And a couple of nights ago, I walked into the doctor's office with 102 fever. I feel better now and I have no fever. The chicken soup. Mom says, did your mom call you Stu or Stuart? Probably Stuart. I bet she called you Stuart. She called me Stuart. Okay. So if she said, Stuart, have the chicken soup. Are there really, do you think, medicinal qualities in some of these foods, or is it a psychological deal? Me, I, you know, <clears throat> I think it is medicinal. You do? Yes. Okay. Yes. You think that the concoction that your mom, no God, idea. God rest her soul, put together, you think there was something to that concoction? Uh, that I, think there, I think there's a lot of truth to all. A lot of these old wives' tales are based on truths. You know, they are. Yeah, uh, why would they be passed on for generations if they didn't work? That's correct. Right. So I do believe that, and, and uh, you know, I, I haven't found the perfect matzo ball soup since, you know, my mom passed away, 
And, you know, I've gone to many delis and many people's houses and stuff like that. And, you know, it is delicious. And if Randy has any suggestions. Right. The uh, only thing I can really tell you is Gelson's does a pretty good job. Oh. Also, and, Jerry's you, Deli, if you want to take out a second mortgage, uh, they well, are I'm chicken trying to get soup. them affordable still, chicken soup. Right, that's what I mean. But you know what you do? <laughs> that, we, yeah. need, we need the Affordable Chicken Soup Act. Yeah, that's right. what exactly. I think you'll appreciate this, Stu, and maybe this will cure yourself. Yes. I went to Gelson's once I had a cold. I got the chicken soup, and I put a matzo ball in it. Mm. Wait, you, so you, you made a matzo ball or you bought a matzo ball? I bought a matzo ball at Gelson's and I put it in there. And it was the best soup See, I ever See, I had. tried oh. something like that. I didn't, I didn't know they sell the single matzo ball. You can get a matzo you ball. You can buy a single matzo ball? Mm-hmm. I tried something like that. It didn't Well, you learn something new on Dr. Stu's podcast every week. Well, the approach I took didn't quite work. I got the, the, the chicken soup. And I didn't take a matzo ball. I put a scoop of green mint chip ice cream in it. Oh, that's <laughs> not a great combo. It, I found I was still sick after that. It didn't cure me at all. No. It was very odd. Well, you, that's because you had the French fries in there, too. It was weird. I was dipping them in, you know, the Satis fries from Burger King. Which, which, by the way, they're healthier and they taste better, too. I so, so, listen, I just want to say something. You know, I've been trying. You know, on the Dr. Street Podcast, we've had many guests on our show. Yeah. I'd like to try to find some guests that are antagonists as opposed to protagonists. Yeah, do some combat. I've sent, out, I've sent out invitations to Kathleen Sebelius and Amy Tatour, the uh, provocative doctor on the internet, and, and Nancy Pelosi. None of them seem to want to come on the podcast, but we did find somebody who's a protagonist. And Why don't you tell us about her? All right. We welcome to Dr. Stu's podcast, Brigitte Lauren, who is a certified pre- and postnatal fitness coach. She's been doing it for over 20 years, which is hard to believe because she looks like she's about 27. She's the picture of, of, of natural beauty. And we welcome you to the podcast. Well, thank you so very much. And thank you, Stu, for inviting me and for the, all those fabulous comments. Now, do we, do you, we hear... Do you have a great radio voice or what? Yeah, do this we is, hear a Swedish this is, accent? This is good. Uh, I'm Swedish, yes. I don't know where my accent is from. I've been around the world. Now, now, since you say you're a Swede, I have to ask the natural follow-up. Are you a Lutheran? I guess. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean? No. I mean just, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, right. I mean, I grew up in the Lutheran church. We're not Swedes, but yeah, I just knew that if you're Swedish, there's like a 97% chance Absolutely. that you go to the, pot, the potluck dinner at the in the church basement and you're like a Lutheran. And, uh, and as long as we're on the subject, what's, the, what's your mother's favorite f- dish that she used to make? It can't be matzo ball soup, so what, what's a traditional... Uh, Swedish. Like uh, meatballs. Oh, meatballs. really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Christmas Ikea, is coming. Right, right, we right. make meatballs galore. Right. You can go to Ikea, as Randy said. You don't need a mom to make you a Swedish meatballs. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, I guess you do. You really do. You need do. my meatballs. Yeah, how, are the Gel- how are the Gelson's <laughs> Swedish meatballs? I don't think Gelson's does Swedish meatballs, except occasionally on the hot food bar, but I can really swear by Ikea's Swedish meatballs. Plus, where can you get meatballs and build your own furniture? Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. Well, that's it. Well, sometimes putting that furniture together takes so long you need a meal break. Yeah. You know, it takes nine hours to put that desk together. You got to stop and have lunch. You can always tell when someone bought an IKEA shelf because one of the shelves is always backwards. <laughs> a friend of mine says that, uh, and then we'll get to uh, uh, Brigitte and what she does, and uh, really some great work that you do, and important work for moms and people who might be moms, and for dads and partners and all of that. But uh, a friend of mine, I was talking to her last week, and, and we were talking about her husband. She's been married for four years, and she said, uh, I said, what'd you like about him when you first met him? She said, I can tell you, Brian, that I remember a phone call to my mom, her own mom. She's talking about her mom. And my mom said, what do you like about this new guy? You've dated him three or four times. You like him? What do you like about him? She said, well, I'll tell you what I like about him. 
We went to Ikea, and I bought myself a, a coffee table. And he came back to my apartment, and he put it together for me without ever even looking at the instructions. And she fell in love. So she would have fallen in love with any man. Because yeah, like, no uh, guy reads the instructions from Ikea. Had she met, yeah, but most guys would not be able to put it together, though. Right. This is had, true. had she met Bob Vila previously, she'd probably be Mrs. Bob Vila. But, but she's not. But she's very happy in her marriage. How about that throwing a Bob Vila reference? Well, you know, people yeah. can fix things. Bob Vila fixes things. Right. Yeah. yeah. This old house. You know who he is, don't you? Yeah. All right. Okay. But has there ever been a guy since Bob Vila, or that's the newest reference? No, you know, because now everything's do it yourself, the DIY network, and you don't want anybody to do stuff for you. Now the whole idea in 2013 and 2014 is fix it yourself. You know? Do you fix anything yourself? Oh, I can't do anything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, so Brigitte Lauren, a certified pre- and postnatal fitness coach, we're going to talk about exercises for pregnant ladies. But before we get to that, and that's, and that's a pretty general thing, uh, Dr. Stu tells me, and, and you've told me, that your specialty, Brigitte, is in fact working with moms and pregnant ladies who are high risk, who are in some cases bedridden. Yes. That's a challenge, isn't it? That is probably the most important time to do some exercise. And unfortunately, when women get bedridden, they, uh, they think they can't do anything. And they're told to lie down and told to lie still. And it causes such atrophy in their muscles, it actually makes their pregnancy in worse condition than they were and at more risk for preeclampsia and premature delivery. So anything that a woman can do, even while lying down, because there's nothing that says you can't move one arm or one leg at a time, uh, will help that woman stay somewhat saner and stronger and help her stay pregnant longer. I guess the question I'll ask Dr. Stu, how critical... Uh, for lack of a better term, and, and maybe it's a too dramatic term, how important is the physical mobility of a pregnant lady to the health of the fetus? Well, before I get to that, because Brigitte said the word sanity, and I have to tell you that I, that's a really important word that she said. It's really important to the sanity of a pregnant woman to be able to be physically active. Um, and I think when the mother is healthy, and when the mother's sending out good hormones and good neurotransmitters and things like that from exercise, which sends out endorphins and enkephalins. I think those things cross the placenta, and I think that the, they, they do benefit the baby. Um, so I think that a healthy exercise program that's safe in pregnancy, and, and some people think when they're pregnant that they suddenly need to stop what they're doing and that they're suddenly more fragile than they were before. These, those are all misconceptions. I mean, there's certain things that you shouldn't do, like you shouldn't be doing, you know, bungee cord jumping or... or uh, skydiving. Skydiving or, you know, anything where there's a bouncing, that sort of trauma. But as far as cardio and as far as lifting and things, if you were doing these things before, you can continue to do them. And, and when, when a woman is physically fit, she's much more uh, able to deal with labor, which is a marathon-like uh, event where they're working very hard for possibly hours and hours and hours at a time. Mm. And if you're out of shape, uh, you're much more likely to succumb to the desire to get in bed with an epidural and then the whole cascade of things that happens after that. Brigitte Lauren is our guest on Dr. Stu's podcast. She's a certified pre- and postnatal fitness coach. I guess uh, an obvious question, Brigitte, you, I'm sure you've been asked before, when a lady is pregnant, what area of her body or what, what, what area of focus... Uh, anatomically is most important to work out for a pregnant lady? Every part. Re <laughs> really? Every part is really important for e her. Equally important? Yes. I, I don't think you can take one, one part away because then everything works together. 
our body works synchro- synchronized. As my body proves. Yes. As you look exactly. at me. Well, your body doesn't work together. Right, exactly right. Of course, core training is really important for uh-huh. balance and stability and for abdominal. It's really important for a mom to keep her abdominal strong, but she still cannot do sit-ups or leg raises. We have to find other more creative ways of using the abdominals, usually by core training, but not balancing too much because she also loses her coordination and balance during pregnancy. Yeah, there's a center of gravity changes a little bit. The curvature of the spine changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that things that were where you would normally uh, you know, be able to manage your body in a certain way, when you're pregnant, you have to walk differently. You also, you know, if you get up, you have to change the positions of how you get up to make sure you spare your back. There's hormones that your body is making, including progesterone is probably the main one, and something called relaxin, which causes ligaments to sort of soften and loosen. So it's much easier for you to you know, slip a spinal muscle or a disc or mm-hmm. dislocate your knee or, or just strain something because your muscles are much looser, which of course is beneficial when you're in labor and things need to move around, but can also, if you don't know what you're doing, you can suddenly hurt yourself. You know, as we sit here and talk, and I'm the layperson, I always am. Dr. Stu's the doctor. Uh, Brigitte Lauren is the uh, pre- and postnatal fitness coach, and I'm just the guy who's here. I think about the ladies I've known who are pregnant, and the two most common physical challenges they, they mention, uh, the first is just general fatigue because they're sleeplessness, and they just feel a general sense of exhaustion. And then the other is back pain. And I assume the back pain obviously comes from the belly being bigger. Yes. Um, I sometimes, it's going to sound crazy, but I sometimes equate pregnancy to standing on a rail track waiting for the train to come and hit you. Are you going to get off the rail track or are you going to do something about it? You could get, get off of it. When you're pregnant, you need to counteract what pregnancy does to you. It is very, I've actually invented a few exercises that prevents lower back pain because there's so much that a pregnant woman can do to counteract the effects of pregnancy. You can't just be pregnant and let that wreck your body and wreak havoc with your systems. Mm -hmm. You've got to stay strong. Exercise in general keeps you stronger and keeps you at less of a risk for injuries that the relaxant will cause if you don't exercise. And it will help you stay longer pregnant. Uh, Stay pregnant longer. It'll help you avert preeclampsia. It helps everything. Diabetes, hypertension, everything. And puts your body in a better place after you give birth even better so it actually makes for a healthier and smarter baby we have a doctor called dr james f clap the third who's done the majority of the research on prenatal fitness there's been a few others but he's like the main one and his research has proven that kids from fit moms i call them fit babies end up by college age higher and more superior athletically and academically as well as mentally and physically health-wise it, it is awesome yeah, that would, that would just send, seems to make sense. I mean, there's something about the genetics and way, the way babies are forming that I said. If you're passing good, good humors to your baby, your baby's ner- mm-hmm. you know, brain and body are building itself in a, in a, in a more favorable way. Now, I was going to ask you a question about, you said you have exercises for the back that you've even you know, created some of your own. Mm-hmm. Two questions about that. One, do they change as far as the pregnancy progresses? from the first, second, third trimester? Do you have to do things differently? And also, could you give us an idea of what some of those exercises are? I know you can't show us here, but but maybe something for the listeners to it's it's a dynamic It's a dynamic rotational exercise of the leg and hip that uh, the exercise pretty much stays the same unless somebody becomes bedridden. Then you have to do it lying down. Right. Otherwise, and what, are the, what are the reasons that, uh, that you would say somebody becomes bedridden? Are we just talking about premature labor or are we talking about elevated blood pressure? What... 
What causes a pregnant woman to become bedridden when you use that term? There's a lot of reasons where women may end up bedridden. Uh, most of them have sort of been debunked by science, but um, mm. women still end up uh, in bed by a lot of doctors. Mostly it has to do with um, uh, hypertension. It has to do with the, the big one is uh, the cervix. Incompetent cervix. Incompetent cervix. I've actually worked with several women in hospital bedridden, recumbent, not able to even sit up. Forgive me, incompetent cervix. What does that mean? It's a, it's a the cervix. The plug that holds the baby in. The cervix is the, b- the bottom of the uterus, and, and when it's incom- incompetent cervix is when the cervix gives out before it's supposed to. You're saying incompetent as in lack of competent. That's correct. Uh, as in f- uh, opposite of competent. That's correct. Okay, all right. What happens is, is that um, without contractions, without preterm labor, a woman gives birth pre- uh, prematurely, often very prematurely, which even before its baby's even viable. And you have to differentiate that, somebody with a true incompetent cervix, from someone who had preterm labor. And a lot of times there's a mixing of the two, and people don't really really know. And so there's, there's ways to try to determine that. But I think, as Brigitte was saying, I think a lot of doctors overcall this stuff, and they over-recommend bed rest, um, which is without thinking about the detriments of what they're talking about, about recommending de- bed rest, which, you know... It, 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 may have some pluses, but it's definitely got some minuses as well. It would seem to me, Brigitte Lauren is with us, a certified pre- and postnatal fitness coach here on Dr. Stu's podcast. We talk a lot about the emotional well-being, the mental well-being of ladies and, and their partners when they're pregnant. I think it's really important today to have this conversation about the physical well-being, and it occurs to me, and believe it or not, there were times that I did work out when I lost a lot of weight, and when some... <laughs> Randy, please, we're in the middle of the podcast, and I'm sharing a story of personal weight loss. It is not a reason to cackle at me. It just seemed a little unbelievable. Well, it's, it's not. It's the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm Congratulations. Talking, I'm, I'm talking to the guest. Please, go back to your uh, Candy Crush app that you're playing. Brigitte, where were we? Which I'm paying him for, right? Oh, yeah, right, yes. Now, uh, l- I, let I me hope say, you're doing well with he that. Is, he's, he's a master of it. Let me say this, too. When, when people work out physically, after a physical workout, uh, there is stress relief. So it would seem to me that for a pregnant lady to engage in a physical workout and uh, varying degrees of physical exertion based on her physical condition, that the endorphins release, the adrenaline, the general de-stressing of the body after a workout can only be beneficial to a pregnant lady. Absolutely. Both to the both to the mom and to the baby because it does transfer to the baby through the placenta and it, it makes for a happier baby and and how the, the it also create not just the endorphins but you got the blood flow which is improved with more nutrition and more oxygen which helps the baby grow and develop. Now you go to to people's homes because we mentioned earlier that Brigida uh, deals uh, her specialty is uh, to deal with high risk uh, moms who are in some cases bedridden. She'd been doing this for over 20 years. Uh, you do individual one-on-one work at the home and, and, uh, and, and you'll go there and deal one-on-one with somebody. Um, I, I was watching something on television about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, and it was uh, trainers, uh, folks, different from what you do. You, do you, you work with pregnant ladies, but how they are now doing it virtually with an app. They don't even go to the client to their home. They set up the smartphone. The client's got the smartphone. The trainer is on one end saying, do it this way. The guy's on the other end doing it that way. And that's how they have sort of a virtual workout. And they're physically not even in the same room. Could you imagine working in a condition like that? I, I, 
I, I assume you, you could do it. I, I would love to if I could figure out how to do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I could help more women that yeah, way. Right. If you could master the technology, that would be the only uh, uh, obstacle for, for me. I think, I think for mass teaching, it's probably a great uh, tool. However, nothing as far as I've ever found beats face-to-face uh, interaction. I just don't think, especially when you're dealing with somebody who's emotional or with somebody that's got other, other underlying issues, I find that tr- even talking to somebody on the phone, I, I sometimes do phone consult. Tomorrow I have a Skype consult mm. with a set of t- a woman who's got twins from the East Coast. And she wants to, she may be coming out here because she can't find anybody in the, I think I don't want to say which state. It's one of the Carolinas who's willing to deliver her twins vaginally. Mm. So I'm going to have a Skype consult with her, which is, the, which is the second best thing. But when I get people here who send me an email asking me a question, Brian, I tend to want to say, listen, I can give you a little information on the phone, but I really want to sit across the table from you, see you face to face and have this interaction. And I think that, and I, and I maybe speaking for you, Brigitte, but I think sometimes you need to put your hands on a person oh, when absolutely. you're doing physical work like that. So you may be able to teach a class or something by Skype or whatever you, you know, what other social media you can do that. But I don't think it'll ever replace the one-on-one. Uh, ultimately, of course, there's only one Brigida, so she can yeah. only be dealing with one person at a yes. time. In my work, I could never do that. But it w- if I could do a class with healthy pregnant women that have no issues, then that no. By having you on the podcast today, by having you on the podcast today, I'm hoping to, that this will reach more people. Mm-hmm. We're going to give out your information before the end of the podcast. People can contact you, and maybe this will start uh, cascading. Mm-hmm. And we will have Brigida right here on Dr. Sue's podcast on the main page on the website. Link information, contact information for you. Let me ask you about obesity and pregnancy. Uh, we live in a country with a very high obesity rate. There are a lot of people, a lot of men, and a lot of women. There are a lot of us who are overweight, obese, mm-hmm. uh, morbidly obese in some cases. Uh, the, obviously, um, obviously, some ladies who are pregnant are overweight uh, overweight ladies do become pregnant uh if one of them is uh, is hearing the podcast right now if you could give one piece of advice in terms of trying to attain a degree of physical fitness of trying to take a step in the right direction for an overweight mom what are some basic easy fundamental things they can do if you can describe them briefly to to assist to help out to make mom more limber to maybe burn a few calories because i'm sure when you're dealing with an overweight person when you're a fitness trainer as you are the 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 obesity is a tremendous challenge it's it's a big challenge and it's a big problem because it also leads to gestational diabetes and hypertension preeclampsia early delivery and 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 sometimes mental problems and depression even in the child once it's born so anything that a mom can do i've had Many obese women come to me, and normally we have to figure out what is the most fun thing that that woman can think of to do that makes her body move. That's healthy. That's healthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, If it's walking, if it's dancing, if it's whatever makes her want, or swimming, anything. Swimming. Uh, Let me interrupt for a second. Swimming. I think that uh, for pregnant women, uh, water exercise or mm -hmm. swimming or doing aerobics in the water or those sorts of things is the best thing that they can possibly do. If it's, they a have full, it's a full body workout, right? It's a full body workout without the strain of gravity, without the sort of things that can, you know, maybe cause it uh, to be more uncomfortable. And plus, I will tell you, uh, well, I can't tell you personally, but I've tell you from my experience of years and years and years, women, when they're uncomfortable or achy, if they get into a nice uh, a water that's got a decent temperature and they can just float, mm. it's an unbelievable uh anesthetic for them to get through to help them to relax and they can also then do some sorts of physical activity 
I don't know what you, what's your thought about. Uh, I mean, do you suggest this for some of your clients, Brigitte? If if swimming is possible, if there's a pool available, if they can go to one, absolutely, that is the best way to move and the easiest way to move, especially with relaxing. If somebody's obese, uh, if that's not possible, uh, we try and come up with whatever is the most motivating thing for them to get moving. Uh, most of the time, that's walking or dancing. I had one that just loved doing dance classes, and she went and did ballroom dance classes for her whole pregnancy, and it worked um, very well. And uh, of course, some abdominal work that right. can be difficult sometimes if you're extremely obese, but just holding your tummy in when you're sitting down is still a possibility. Just activating those abdominal muscles is really, really important to yeah. help support the pregnancy. And I can imagine, Birgitta, what a challenge for a lady who maybe does not exercise. Maybe she's, maybe she's a person who doesn't exercise and then becomes pregnant. And then she's taking on all of the physical changes, the, the stressors associated with pregnancy, and now to add to that a workout, do you take baby steps? Do you start with relatively brief workouts and escalate to longer workouts in terms of the time uh, of exercise? If somebody's a complete beginner, absolutely, you have to start small, but it, if they're really a beginner, you can't really go too far and, and too advanced into the exercise. You have to kind of see what that woman can handle. And, and go as high as she can. And then after, then start again and make her fitter after. Because it's, it's as long as you can maintain health mm. during pregnancy, that's really all you can do with somebody that's a super, super beginner. Yeah, you bring up a very good point, too, is that this fitness doesn't end when the baby comes out. As a matter of fact, it's just beginning. Because <laughs> what Brigitte does, and you know, I want you to tell us a little about it, is not only does she do... Uh, antepartum fitness but she does postpartum fitness and and recovering from the pregnancy and a lot of women want to recover their bodies try to get it back and you know it does take time especially if you're nursing there's a certain amount of fat and other things that isn't going to go away right away but i think it's really important to understand that if you can set good habits up in the pregnancy and then in the postpartum period they're going to carry on for the hopefully for the rest of your life so tell us a little bit about how you deal with women postpartum even women who are your clients prior to birth and say you get a new client who comes at who is referred to you after birth okay. tell us how you deal with these people uh, most of the time people come to me during their pregnancy they're about a month or two into their pregnancy my favorite client is that one i can get preconception because then i can prep them and really make them fitter and oftentimes i actually help people with infertility get pregnant faster by making them healthier uh but uh, for, forgive me, I, I want to shine a light on that and underscore that. You can help them uh, uh, to be more fertile through physical exercise, no fertility drugs involved. Nothing. Really? Uh, yes. I didn't, I didn't even know that was possible. Exercise and nutrition makes the body more efficient at doing everything, including reproduction. Yes. When your body's in good health, then everything, seems, everything tends to work better. Mm. And the menstrual cycle, the pituitary gland, stimulating the ovaries... All that stuff in the uterus all becomes much more regular, much more predictable. People who are overweight, people who are out of shape, people who are stressed, the pituitary shuts down. The, the brain tells the body, you know what, this woman's not in good shape to be pregnant. Let's not make an egg this month. So, Brigitte, forgive me for interrupting. You say that's the ideal scenario. A woman comes to you before conception. You're working with her uh, w with a fitness uh, regimen, with a workout, even before conception. You, I, I interrupted, so please continue. Absolutely. That's actually how I first got started with this. Over 20 years ago, a lady came to me after two babies, and she wanted a third baby, but not a third pregnancy. She'd had nine months of morning sickness both times. She'd had nothing but aches and pains and 36-hour labors. She hired me 
thinking, this is 20 years ago, that possibly if she was fitter, maybe it would be a little easier this time around. Mm. So I worked with her for about nine or 10 months, pregnant like that. And I working with her through her pregnancy, she had two months of a little bit of morning sickness, no aches, no pains, a little water retention in the end. I put her in the pool for pool exercise, got rid of the water retention. She calls me from the delivery room after a three hour delivery and says, Brigitte, can we do this again? <laughs> and I'm like, what, are you nuts? <laughs> she was not kidding, was she? She was not kidding, no. Wow, wow. Uh, and that's when my light really started going on because I took, took notes of the difference in between her labors and deliveries and everything from in the from in the past and I thought wow she's really improved even the APGAR score of her third child was better and then watching that child I worked with her for 12 months post the difference in that child mentally uh, physically health-wise behaviorally was like day and night in comparison with her other two children to the previous children to the previous children right and that's when the light bulb went on and I thought to myself this is going to be my deal I am going to specialize in prenatal, and from then on, I did nothing but study it and attract pregnant women. Um, I actually, and I picked the brains of every obstetric professor in town, right? as well as, um, slim, I wrote a book slim called... Pick, slim Pickens, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of really good ones. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, a couple. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, we're talking to uh, Brigitte Lauren here, a certified pre- and postnatal fitness coach on Dr. Stu's podcast. I have one final question, and I know that Dr. Stu ha- has one for you, but very quickly, uh, obviously, you've described in great detail, and I think it's very helpful uh, for our listeners, uh, the aspects mm. of the physical workout that you've described. To what extent, uh, Brigitte, do you deal with, 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 with dietary stuff, with, with nutrition, with, with food consumption? Uh, to what extent do you uh, consult your clients on their eating habits? A lot. Um, I try not, we don't do diets while pregnant, but I try to slowly, every time I see them, brainwash them <laughs> into eating uh-huh. as organic and as healthy as is possible because it will help the child. There is... Like Dr. James F. Clapp said, with exercise and nutrition, you can mold the health of your child for the future. And you have to do that during pregnancy because that's when everything happens. That's, it's called uh, epigenetics. So your genetics are developed in utero, and you have to do that with nutrition as well. Th- you have to eat healthy green vegetables, lean meat, and avoid all sugar. I, I no, cur- no curly fries, Brian. No yeah, right. curly fries. A lot of, no uh, sugar. A friend of mine once said, on the plate, a lot of colors. There should be a lot of colors Very good. on your lunch or dinner yeah, plate. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. No sugar, no white. I forbid white carbs and sugar because it is an epidemic of diabetes right now and there's only one way to curb it and that's white carbs yeah low glycemic index carbs which is what she's talking about and eating and eating lean protein and that sort of thing is really help really mm-hmm. healthy very healthy. my last question for you would be what when a woman when you do work with a postpartum woman what would be a typical workout what would the kind of thing that you'd be doing with that person i normally warn them prior to having the baby that they're going to start exercising right after delivery I give them the same. So would that be different if they had a C-section? Would that be a little bit later then? Or no. You start them up as no. fast as possible. Uh, I do what they do in Scandinavia. I'm Swedish. They, uh, the doctors will give them <laughs> four exercises, which I found out after I already started prescribing this. Um, four little exercises that mom can do while sitting in bed, while still in her hospital bed, oh. right after delivering a baby, oh, while nursing. That soon? Yes. Oh, Wow. Getting the abdominals accustomed to contracting without a baby inside right away or that stomach is not coming down. Cool. 
Waiting six weeks mm -hmm. is going to cause too much atrophy. You need to get started right away. And it's very easy. Mom is sitting in bed. She can be holding her baby. She can be nursing. All she does is just contract her abdominals and let go. Contract and let go without mm. moving. Mm. She so can, Brian she and I are sitting here. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Contracting <laughs> our bowels <laughs> as we go. I just right. want to make sure I don't want to make. I want to make sure I don't make any noises while I do it. No, how much you you, you no, hold? Think, how long do you hold? Forgive me. I mean, I'm, I'm I feel like a pregnant well, woman. How, it's just how, squeeze, relax. Squeeze, squeeze relax. relax. Squeeze, relax. Really, that's it. And, 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 and mom can do that right there in the in the bed. Absolutely. And lower back stretches, little foot circles, little shoulder contractions very easy for mom to do and she does that for two weeks and then i tell them i'm coming back after two weeks to to resume an exercise program that we at least that we of course start a little bit below what we finished off a couple of weeks ago but then we build it up from there and by the time they're three months postpartum they should be back in the swing of things see this is fantastic information because this is counter to everything that you know medical residents and i i learned is that you know for six weeks after c-section no physical activity and that's what they that's what they tell you. And two weeks after a vaginal delivery, mm. no physical. Now I know that that's not true for we don't do that for our vaginal deliveries. And since I'm not doing C sections anymore, but this is in great information, and I'm hoping listeners are, are getting appreciative of this because this is not something you would normally hear in your mainstream obstetrical practice. And, well, and uh, please, bring I have a question for doctors too. If, if other doctors, when they do operations, how soon do they want people to start resume exercise? Well, if it's an abdominal surgery like a cesarean section, they would probably tell them. You know, no strenuous activity for six weeks. Is no, what I mean other them. operations. It's usually always two weeks or knee surgeries. It's right away that you've got to stop. Well, start orthopedics, moving are, orthopedics has changed. When you know, I had knee surgery back in 1981, Ooh. and I ended up having an open knee surgery. It was before laparoscopy, and I had a full body cast on for I mean, a leg cast on from hip to, to ankle mm -hmm. for three months. Oh, you know, you imagine what the, that the sort of started to smell like after a while. Oh. But, you know, no, and, and really, at that point, you're a very young man. I mean, obviously, in 1981, you were you were like 12. I was in medical school at yeah, the time. Yeah, no, right. really and truly. I mean, what, <laughs> no, no, what a difficult thing yeah. for, for anybody, especially a young person. Now, uh, now, I'm just saying, compared to now where, you know, you get people like Adrian Peterson who has a knee repair, and within a day or two, he's he's doing uh, rehab on that, Yeah, you know, and physical therapy. We didn't have that back then, and so things are really evolving and changing. But still, even in the in the surgical world, all right. We are getting, you know, uh, we are not getting this information. This is something that we, we do get people out of bed and we feed them faster, but we don't do what Brigitte has been saying. This is critical information. Want to get your information here, website and stuff like that. We're going to have it all up on the website. But one final question, because it's because it, it's really it's critical and we're running over time, but it's important and it's worth it. A lot of moms, they have their baby. Wow. Are, are moms tough on themselves? I mean, they put the weight on. They want the weight to come off. Brigitte, in your opinion, how long should a mom after birth? give herself how much time should she give herself to get back to that ideal weight some moms seem to have uh, such unreal expectations about getting so thin right away again the weight comes off should moms generally take it easier on themselves than they do after childbirth in terms of the weight coming off it all depends on the woman and it depends on her uh, exercise history both during pregnancy before pregnancy and since the time that she was born uh, the more athletic a mom has been while she was a kid like between 3 and 20 the faster she's going to get back into shape I see w I've had several Olympic athletes ballerinas and they come out of the birth bed back in shape right literally uh, but I 
think most women got to give themselves a minimum of anywhere from one month to 12 months, depending on their body, depending on their past exercise and health history, and depending on their pregnancy history, what happened during pregnancy and nutrition history. It, it all comes into play, but there is no reason why a mom a year later shouldn't be in terrific shape, mostly six months. What a great guest. Brigida Lauren, a certified pre- and postnatal fitness coach. A website, please, if folks want to get in touch with you. Expecting fitness.com expecting fitness.com we'll have a link right here on the main page at drstewspodcast.com if you're listening on iTunes make sure you bounce over to drstewspodcast.com check out the blogs check out all the links to Dr. Stew's Fearless Pregnancy and also to uh, Brigitte Lauren's website and all of her contact information really Dr. Stew said it better than I could your information is invaluable thank you so much for sharing yeah you were a brilliant guest and uh, after the podcast is over we're going out to the patio, and you're going to have me, Brian, and Randy put us through put us through the, uh, some exercises. Yeah, drop down. You got and, it. Uh, drop, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, drop down and give her 20 out there, right? All right? You ready to move? Come on now. No. It's time to get this weight off us. Thank right. you so much, Brigida. Thank you so Stay much Stay healthy out there, me. everybody. Yes, and for Dr. Stuart Fishmine, thanks for joining us. Share the podcast with your friends. Tweet it out. Put it on your Facebook page. Email it to your best girlfriend. And cut down on your curly fries. And cut down on your curly fries. It's just the worst thing you could ever possibly eat. Thanks for but joining. They are badly good. do but you they want are curly good. fries? They are, but oh boy, are they good. They well, they really are. For Dr. Stuart Fishbein, I'm Brian Whitman. Thanks for joining us on Dr. Stu's podcast. <laughs>